again, in today's world, we have sure. a climate where we could have an intellectual discussion at a table and we could discuss all of the things that are happening, whether it be pandemic or racial equality, or we could go out onto the streets and we change the environment and attempt to have the same discussion and everything changes. And so using this to our advantage from a business sense, we want to work to control the environment in which the impression is being created in our prospects and clients. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the None of Your Business podcast. We are your two hosts. I'm Dr. Sean Dill, and this is my beautiful wife, Dr. Lacey Book. And we are here to help you to fall in love as a service provider with the idea of being an entrepreneur, ultimately, so that you can reach more people, make a greater impact, and create the lifestyle that you deserve. We love coming into your AirPods, earphones, car, whatever, whatever it is that you're doing each and every week to share with you a conversation about how you can improve upon your business. I'm sure that every service provider has a big passion for what you do, and you really believe that whatever it is that you're doing can make a giant impact, at least locally, but a lot of you even are thinking nationally or even globally if we could just get to enough people. One of the things that we hear often is, man, I just wish more people would get it. Well, in order for them to get it, you're going to have to sharpen your business skills, your sales, your marketing, and even your mindset in order to make that impact. And so today, and this is especially timely, I don't know when people are gonna be listening to this, but today, today's podcast is titled, It's Not What You Say. And the reason why this is so important is because we're in a time where in, at least in our country, in the United States, so many people are feeling charged or feeling motivated or even feeling inspired to leverage their voice, to make a statement. And we're not talking about that, but it's, it's appropriate <laughs> okay. because it is in that same vein, right? Where, um, we realize that we have power in our voice. But from a business standpoint, it's not always what we say. There is so much more than into communication than just your words, right? It's oftentimes what you do. It's oftentimes a lot of different things. Well, I, I can't help but think, because, okay, so for the listeners out there, sometimes Sean will have a topic and I don't know exactly what it is so that we can have a conversation around it and it could be real and it could be raw. So that's today. And I can't help but think that when he says, it's not what you say, what is everybody else thinking out there? Well, you immediately It's you how say it's, you say it, right? Or you say, or they think it's what you do. Or what you do, or, yeah, but I always think it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So I keep thinking that you're going to go there but you're not no but but, <laughs> but i mean if somebody wants to apply this i mean yeah. of course the the instruction the content hopefully um the conversation will be applicable in in any way but the reality is what what 
spurs this thought for mm. me is that, and a lot of people don't get this. If you're watching us on video, um, I am Asian of Asian descent. And so I am half Japanese and Lacey is not, but nobody knows what you are. It's <laughs> like, what are you? But we do a lot of traveling. We do, I get that we all do the time. <laughs> a lot of work around the world. Um, and, and some of the things, some of the places that we've been, we, we love being in Central and South America, um, the Philippines. And I'm sort of a chameleon, but so are you, right? Oh, like, yeah. I can sort of blend in. However, uh, I, I do definitely look more Asian than Latino. So people are always sort of shocked when we visit Central or South America that I'm the one because I lived in Costa Rica for eight years that I speak fluent Spanish. And so they'll come up to you and they'll start, you know, right into their full Spanish. And then you'll say, no, talk to him. And they have this kind of they cock their heads and they're like, what? Hey, what? <laughs> but what what spurred this topic is that in our in our travels, you know, and we've done some outreach programs where we provide care for underprivileged people. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I notice, I mean, especially in you, but in other people who accompany us, is that it is possible to communicate and not just where's the bathroom or I'll right. have chicken. Um, it is possible Don't to communicate yeah. topics <laughs> without using words. Absolutely. And so you've actually become really good at that on these trips. And I noticed that, you know, I was like, wow, that's like, that's quite a skill. But what happens here, here's why this is important is in business, almost every seminar, especially if it's on sales, has to do with what you say. Everybody wants a script and nobody wants to worry about how you say it. Mm -hmm. so you did go there. It's not what you say, it's how you say it. And you're right. I think that there is so much, I mean, there's studies all over the place and I'm sure many of you out there have heard this before, but I think it warrants repeating is, is that most of communication is not actually the words that are coming out of your mouth. It's the body language that you're presenting because people actually feel and read communication based off of the energy and the movements that you make and the things that you're putting out versus the actual words that are coming out of your mouth. I mean, even if you think about a children, like really young kids or animals, there's a lot of communication that happens even though they don't understand necessarily what exactly you're saying, but they do understand the tone and the energy and the way that you're saying it. But if you were in a foreign country and you didn't speak Spanish and there was a crisis and you saw um, two people, um, you know, maybe off in the in the distance and they were wearing um, all black uniforms, would that not communicate to you that that would p potentially be someone of authority that they were wearing a uniform? Yeah, absolutely. And so not even just how you say it, it could mm -hmm. be visual it could mm -hmm. be appearance there's a lot of ways that you communicate and it's not you know everybody is hung up on like i just sean lacy can you just tell me the script um we do a lot of work on you know sales scripting pre-qualification and everybody wants to know the script but i always think before we do that we have all these other things that we have to make sure that we have considered before we launch into the words that you're saying, you know, and, and, and the, in today's world, it's the same thing where you have this discussion from people exercising their voice in a peaceful way, or the same voice can be exercised in a violent way. And so it's not even the words, it's 
it's also all of the other things that go along. Right. And it just makes me think, um, you know, when you're growing and scaling a business and you put so much work into writing out the words that you say into a script and you give them to somebody else and it doesn't work for them. And you're like, how is this possible? This is tried and tested and true. And every time I say these words, some somebody fully understands about my service or product or they're moved and motivated to invest or buy my service or product and then you hand those exact same words over to somebody else and they totally flop and it's again because it's not about the words right there's so much more behind the way that we communicate that actually are more of what makes the impact so like you said there's that initial and immediate um, impression that somebody has of you based off of what they see before you even open your mouth. Perfect. So let's, so we, we want to have the first sort of building block is ah. it's not what you say. And the second building block is exactly that, that a first impression mm -hmm. is different than a first encounter. You know, we have this whole thing that says you never get a second chance to make a first impression. impression. But here's the thing that I want sure. everybody to understand in business, in life, um, the first impression is oftentimes not the first encounter. And so, so many times we're thinking about a first encounter and mm. that's when the impression is formed. Well, it's different for every individual. I want you to think about this. Some people form their impressions based off of visual. And so, if so somebody my, has a first impression of us potentially right now, or is this a first encounter? If you were to watch me first, on- Well, if this is the first time you've listened to the episode or to the <laughs> podcast, this is a first encounter. Right. There, if, but if you are visual and you're listening to us on, on a podcast platform and you cannot see us, then you might not actually form an impression sure. based off of listening to the podcast. You might okay. listen to a hundred podcasts and really not form your impression, but then you may be with us maybe at a live event or you may meet us or we mm -hmm. may, you know, meet each other or watch us on the video <laughs> or maybe watch us on the video you and too. then you may form an impression how many times do we encounter or even for our listeners our viewers mm -hmm. that you've heard like oh my gosh like you're different than what i thought yeah well, or how many how many times have you done that in your own life where you have an idea of what you think somebody is going to be like and you just meet them and you're like you're not what i expected mm -hmm. right? and so then the question for you comes up is when did your first impression set in. And yeah, what was it that that impacted or created that first impression? So I would agree that you never get a chance, you know, you never get a chance to, to redo your first impression, mm. right? So your first impression. However, I think that a lot of people are confused between first impression and first encounter. So yes. if I call you about your service on the phone, I'm going to, that's my first encounter. I'm going to talk, and, I, and I'm talking even about your business, so maybe mm -hmm. not even about you. I'm going to talk to somebody on the phone. And so you never get a second chance to make a first impression. However, I want you to understand, I may not have formed my impression yet. Right. I've had a conversation on the phone, but I may not have, have, I may not have formed my first impression. And then I actually come to your office or to your place of business, and that may be when I form my first impression, but it may not be. I might not form my first impression until two days later based off of something that you did. Maybe, you know, we talk a lot about like the five love language. And so maybe I just navigate all of these encounters and I really don't, I'm kind of neutral on my impression. And then you send me a great gift. And that may be what forms my impression 
of you. I may not have an impression of you. And then uh, I might have, I might have had a lot mm. of encounters and then I might go home and check out your social media. And that may be what impacts or forms my first impression of you. So we have to understand that the first impression is different than the first encounter. And the first impression is impacted by a myriad of things, five senses, my worldviews, all of those things play into that. And so when we're saying it's not what you say, once they make an impression, oftentimes it doesn't even matter what you say because right. the impression already exists. Right. So that's why that first impression is so important because it can direct the way that your ability essentially to communicate with them. Well, and we talk about like outreach. Mm. So to go back to that, yeah, right? So you are in a country, you don't speak the language of the people, mm. but the people know that you're there to help. Right. That might be their first impression that you're right. there in a helpful position and that it's charitable. Right. Like oftentimes we're not charging for the work that we do. And people always say that come, come on these trips, like, Oh my gosh, the people were so grateful. And I just wish that the oh, other people yeah, that I worked are. with, I wish that the people that I worked with at my, in my hometown were as grateful. Right. But see, the impression is different. different. Right. And so that's you, you, we want to give you now an opportunity to control Mm-hmm. that impression. Mm-hmm. So you're really, really, really good at this. And so um, it's a super simple. I want to walk through uh, the five senses because the five senses actually control, they work to control the first impression. And so the other part of this is it's not what you say so much as, and not even how you say it so much as the environment in which it's being said. Right. So again, in today's world, we have a climate where we could have an intellectual discussion at a table and we could discuss all of the things that are happening, whether it be pandemic or racial equality, or we could go out onto the streets and we change the environment and attempt to have the same discussion and everything changes. And so using this to our advantage from a business sense, We want to work to control the environment in which the impression is being created in our prospects and clients. Right. So first one is sight. What does it look like? So this would include the environment of the office, Mm -hmm. which you love design and the creation of that, but also the way that someone is dressed, which you also love. Maybe you're more of a visual impressionist. Interesting. I probably am. That's very fair to say. And I think that so oftentimes, you know, whenever we are in business, we create the environment to look the way that we like, the way that we feel good about it. And so we pick the colors of the walls in our business based off of our likes and preferences. We pick the artwork in the business based off of our likes and preferences or our profession or our profession. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, we're, um, chiropractors first and foremost, and oftentimes chiropractors have artwork all over the walls that are skeletons. It's not artwork, posters posters all over the walls that are, you know, um, skeletons and bones and stages and nerves, stages and generations. And it really, in all reality, it's a lot of things that people, when they look at, they can't conceptualize or understand because that's not their profession by nature. And so all they see is bones and skeletons. And And that means to them whatever it means. It means to them whatever it means, right. And so we have to always be considerate of what puts people in a 
comforting environment, right? Most people, whenever they're making decisions on whether or not they want to engage with a business, buy their service, um, be part of the service, buy their product, they want to do it in a space where they feel good in. So you have to look at your ideal client and say, what do they like? right? And consider what kind of colors would they want on the walls? I mean, putting like a bright red paint on a wall and sticking somebody in there and trying to talk to them about health or trying to make them be calm would just be completely opposite of their physiological response. I mean, think about it. Have you ever gone into a spa that has bright red walls? Like never, because they're all about- Or that was playing about, heavy metal music. Or heavy metal music, which will come to, which will come to sound. But so you want to make sure that the walls, the colors of the, the, the furniture, the paint, the artwork, that it's all intentional to create comfort, trust, and uh, this feeling of I fit here for your ideal client. So remember, you have to make them feel like they fit, not make you feel like you fit because it's your business. Of course you fit. What about how you dress? I mean, I, likewise, we hear a lot of people that are like, well, I'm me. I, I, I love to rock the tank top and the board shorts and the flip flops. Yeah, we like all want to be in comfortable clothes. But, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of lawyers out there, judges, medical doctors that would love to rock the board shorts and tank tops, right? Or the sweatpants and uh, tank top. That's what I'd like to wear every day. But the reality of it is, is that's not, when we're trying to generate that first impression, majority of businesses, business owners, that's not gonna generate a good impression of that individual because they're going to think that you are not well put together, right? Now, again, there is, outliers and considerations, like if you work in a beach town or something like that, that totally makes sense. But if you're a lawyer, you're not going to show up when with beach. Can you imagine like your lawyer that you're wants a $10,000 retainer and they show up in board shorts and a, a tank top, you think, oh, so you're just going to go use my money to surf, right? Like, so you're make they're, you're creating an impression. So is that where you're going with that? Yeah. So oh, visual okay. is one. So I want you to everyone to think about what your office space looks like, yeah. the environment that you're creating. Um, you know, are you creating an environment of comfort? Also, are you creating an environment of authority? Like, you know, mm. I, I love our good friend Jack Borla once a month goes through his office um, and attempts to view it through the eyes of a client and looks for, you know, because it's easy. You you start to not notice that the the baseboards are not Dirty clean. or, or cobweb in the corner. Yeah, some or, pretty, little touch-up paint might be needed yeah. here and there, a little rip in the chair. These are things that you might want to fix because they can impact your client's first impression, even though it may not be their first encounter. Yeah. It may impact their impression of you. And that concept holds true with all of the senses. So as we go through them all, I want you to remember, like you always need to view these through the eyes of your client um, or your patient or your customer. Um, because when you're in an environment for a long period of time, all of the time you get desensitized to sight, smell, sound, all of those things. So oftentimes you need to do like a reset, especially with smell. Oftentimes we don't notice smells that have been in the office for a long time because you're used to it. Well, and so that, you know, sight being the most obvious, I think right. well, a lot of people are triggered by sight, smell being the least obvious. So let's talk about smell, the smell. I mean, and so when you say that, of course, like people are like, oh, maybe it smells bad or it smells like mildew or food, uh, or food during <laughs> lunchtime. But 
we're talking not just about that. So I'm not talking right. about like, oh, it just smells bad. I'm talking about actually controlling the scent of the environment in order to create a first impression. Yep. There's a lot of great companies out there that do this. Like for instance, we talk about this all the time. My favorite one to talk about because everybody knows the smell is Cinnabon. You go through the mall and you go past those ooey gooey cinnamon rolls. Actually, you don't even have to go past them. You could be like stores down and you smell that smell and you know that that store is around the corner, right? And it's it's a smell, smell is, is associated with certain things, right? What What's your other one that you always... Well, we have Abercrombie, Abercrombie and Fitch. Um, they have a distinct smell. In fact, they spray this smell on the clothes. Right? They are so controlling it. They're controlling it. Cinnabon is a, is a byproduct of what they're making. Maybe, maybe they yeah, spray maybe some stuff. We have it. no idea. <laughs> Another one that is um, very noticeable is Marriott. So in any of the Marriott mm -hmm. properties, they're piping this smell into the lobby. And mm -hmm. what that does is it's creating, and we've talked about this in the past, is it creates an anchor. Yeah. And so I've talked about different anchors because because what happens is then if you are controlling for the scent and the prospect or client is then around that scent later, that will anchor them to engage. And so, for example, in Abercrombie and Fitch, you're walking down the mall and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my gosh, like I smell Abercrombie coming. coming. So in, 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 in saying that, one of the things that I have said, which might be smart, is to um, utilize, for example, a citrus smell could even for example maybe I, I don't particularly enjoy so if i'm your ideal client do not do this um but you could use a so you would a like coffee, vanilla a yeah. coffee smell oh. right and so well vanilla is my favorite scent but i'm not around that very much so, but that would be a trigger right mm -hmm. you know chocolate chip cookies or like oh my gosh that's that you know bourbon it's a familiar scent but if you used a citrus don't, i don't smell, think you should pump bourbon into your office no, bourbon space is vanilla Oh, <laughs> so so the idea is that when I in my morning, I'm drinking my orange juice and I smell the smell of orange juice that can mm -hmm. trigger me, that can remind me of you if you have anchored me first. Yeah. Right. So you anchor me first to, oh, my gosh, every time I go to the, the spa, it smells like orange juice. Or every time I go to the nail salon, it smells like orange juice. And then I'm drinking my orange juice and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I think I need to go to the salon. I need to go to the spa because eventually mm. your physiology yeah. will reverse engineer that so i would strongly encourage people you know diffusers are very popular you can get them on amazon and you can you know use an essential oil there's all kinds of ways candles ways that you can control the scent and you want to use a scent that will necessarily anchor your prospect to your place of business. Yeah, and don't forget that certain scents also elicit certain responses in people mm. naturally. Mm. So like we were talking about earlier, creating a calming environment, whenever you think about a spa, what's the smell that comes to mind for all the ladies out there, or men if you go? Lavender. Spas love using lavender because lavender is a very calming type of smell. So when you go into uh, like a Marriott hotel, oftentimes they'll have a little, a sleep spritzer that they put next to the bed. It's like a little one and it's got lavender scent in it. So lavender is associated with 
calming people down. So if you have a type of service where people are coming in, they're really anxious, you're wanting to get them into a more quiet, calmer space, maybe you want to use that lavender scent to help elicit that response and create the anchor at the same time. But at the same time, if you are selling, that's probably not the best That's not idea the way. You don't want people don't, sleeping yeah, when they're making financial decisions. So <laughs> what, what, are, what would I do if I wanted you to be awake? I, you know, I have read, I have to go back and look, but I read a long time ago when I was researching smells and kind of the, what it puts people in the mood for. Um, I think it was like lime, like some of the lime or lemon or some of those smells make people feel like secure. And when they feel security, they automatically want to make, they make, will make move into making a decision, right. Or the decision that you're trying to help them decide on. Mm. I would have said peppermint. Peppermint, peppermint wakes you up, but I don't know if it creates the sense of security. Mm, Okay. But like if you're, you know, again, if people are really sleepy or you're doing late night shifts or something like that, I don't know what kind of business would do that, but maybe you want to wake people up and use peppermint. So yes, lots of smells elicit different responses. Let's move on (laughs) to sounds then. So, you know, this is another one where I see this all the time in social media. People will post like, what's your favorite Spotify playlist? And I always just feel like I never comment, but I feel like who cares what your favorite playlist is unless you're asking that of your ideal clients, unless you're you know asking a group of your community, who cares what your ideal playlist is? You want to ask your clients what their ideal playlist is. So many times providers go into their space and they play their favorite music, right? All so, the time. <laughs> like you're at the dentist and they're playing like country and you know, and it hurts and you're like, I hate this music. Or maybe you say, I love this music, but either Do way you yeah. have to control also what they're hearing. This also, by the way, is is very interesting. Um, I, I said dentist. That's also one of the things that dentists rarely control for is the sound of the drilling. Like that's just right away. It's and so some high people pitched. don't like that. Yeah, yeah. People, it just puts you like you just hear that and it puts you on edge. And so, you know, this idea of going to the dentist and maybe putting mm. on bows or not Bose necessarily, not a commercial for Bose, but noise canceling headphones. And, you know, a lot of them are now using like those goggles with like Mm -hmm. the TV inside. And because my dentist has been doing that for a decade. I love it. It's controlling the environment, right? Mm -hmm. It's putting you into a space where you're not focused on, you know, just staring at the ceiling and listening to the sound of the drill. Watching the smoke come out of your mouth as they're drilling. (laughs) And so what kinds of, what, what do we do? What kinds of sounds would be appropriate in controlling the environment? Well, you know, one of the things that I did in my, um, Facebook group, it's called this girl's on fire and it's, it's, um, it's full of mostly women, but men are in there as well. And so I wanted to know, like, what do they listen to? Like, what is something that in the morning they wake up and is like their pump me up song. So I literally just asked, these people in my group, my ideal client, what is the song that you listen to that pumps you up? And I created a playlist taking all of their songs and put it in Spotify. And if I was doing business and I was inviting them into my space, that is exactly what I would play because they told me that that's the music that they love. So oftentimes if you're trying to control the sound, um, again, if we're talking about music, I would actually ask them, what do they like to listen to? And then play that. And what's really interesting, if you have a brick and mortar business and you start playing that music, you switch it into the thing that they love the most, people will come in and they'll be like, oh, you're playing Dave Matthews. I love Dave Matthews band. They will notice. Uh, The other thing that I love about uh, 
sound and environment. I actually like the sound of waterfalls or like, is that what they're, the, the little yeah, the water the effect. Little oh, those, water the, the actual real ones. The not, real ones, mm, yep. right? So like in other spaces, if you're trying to have a healing environment or a quiet environment, um, you can actually get the sound of running water and that helps people a lot as well. And, you know, and I, I, I love that idea. I hope that people will take that to heart to ask your clients. You could send an email out if you have an email list and ask your clients their favorite song. And you could create a playlist of all of their favorite songs. That's the idea is you want them to come into your business and say, wow, I love this music. I love this song. I also wanna point out that it's not just for brick and mortar. You know, people hate being put on hold because you oh, listen to this like ridiculous music, Elevator right? music. So <laughs> imagine that I got put on hold and then it was like all of my favorite music. I, it, the time would go by faster. True. Also, you know, we do a lot of um, programming when we do a live James then packages like there's like a countdown music that's happening. And or so while we're taking breaks. Yeah. yeah. So you don't want to put like some weird classical music. It doesn't fit <laughs> our brand. Right. And so you've got to get the you've got to get the music right. The sound is very important and not just in brick and mortar, but in all elements. I like even, that. Even to on there, you know, that's where we talk about tone. But that's also where we talk about and we, you know, obviously diving into a podcast like this. You know, trying to get the microphones right, the levels right, yeah. all of that is important. And you've done a ton oh. of work in on your voice as well, because just even your voice, people don't like to think about that. Like, what's wrong just with my voice? Say that, yeah. You know, that's also a very important consideration. I, I you're, you're right. I'm glad you brought that up because that's actually probably one of the biggest considerations is the tone of your voice. Tone matters. And maybe we can do a, a different podcast on tone because it is a bigger topic or maybe a short on tone. That would be great. Um, but tone matters. I mean, and you know, and, and it's unfortunate, but like, especially women, we have a tendency to speak from our nose. Is that how you would describe that? Where it's very like Nasal. hot, nasally and high pitch. It's really difficult if somebody is trying to communicate something very serious to you or very impactful to listen to a sound that's higher pitch for long periods of time. And I used to speak that way. And so I actually had to work on bringing the tone and the sound of my voice down to speak from a different area so that I would be easier on the ears. And a lot but of males speak from just then their chest. Just their chest. And they don't know how to bring their voice up into their yeah. nasal cavity and then that that also can get quite boring where yeah. you just hear this and then you're like going to sleep because you just talk like that. And you'll notice all great just speakers have the ability to manipulate their voice, right? Like an instrument, like, yeah. like they were singing. The next one is how does it feel? And, you know, if you're watching us and Lacey's fidgety, it's because you have to keep the studio fairly cool. So it's quite I'm always chilly fidgety. here. I know. And so, well, you have a blanket, right? So you're holding your blanket and you have to keep yourself cool because it's, it's quite cold. But if you were, if we were trying to transact business here mm -hmm. and I was freezing you out, it would be very difficult. Or if it was extremely hot and you were sweating, which is one oh, of the reasons why you want yeah. to keep the studio cool because you don't want your people. You got to find that perfect temperature, which is sometimes difficult. Right. Because some people are like, it's too hot. Some people, and that's also somewhat personal, but are you yeah. controlling how it feels? And now how it feels is not just the ambient temperature, 
but then the chairs, chairs, right? Do you only have hard chairs? Hard chairs mean I don't want you to be sitting there for long. Right. If I'm putting you in a hard chair, like in a hospital, uh, like a hospital waiting room or a surgery waiting room, you better have comfortable Those are plush. Chairs, yeah. Right? Because you don't want like just like hard, like plastic chairs when you're going to be waiting there for hours mm -hmm. and you're anxious, you're worried about your family members. So have you thought about how your space feels? Mm-hmm. I think that's really important, you know, like specifically in our offices, the way that we've designed it is the waiting room chairs are a little bit harder because we don't want people in them very long and it helps hold us accountable. But when we go into, you know, the exam rooms, those chairs are very comfortable, they're secure, you know, and it, it gives people that sense of, okay, I can sit here and I can I, I can get comfortable and I can have a deep conversation with you or I can talk about things that are uncomfortable. The last thing you want to do is talk about things that are uncomfortable, like finances and commitment and obstacles when you're already feeling fidgety and uncomfortable yourself. So feel in the way that the environment feels is very important on your ability to communicate. And also imagine that somebody was freezing. They're not even going to hear what you say because the subconscious conversation they're having is, oh my God, it's so cold in here. I wish I would have just worn my sweater. I wish I would have gotten it out of my my car. Maybe I should stop him and find out if I can get a blanket or something. And then they're not listening. So your ability to communicate is actually decreased. And then finally, nobody is going to think of this, but I'm going to tell you, I think the two overrated ones are smell. And the last one, of course, is taste. And you're like, well, what is my, what do you mean? What does it taste like? Well, you know, <laughs> think about this. There are a lot of things Same. that, anchor taste for example um dumb dumb lollipops are oftentimes anchored to like a bank and i don't know if you and grab nail salons. them or nail salons do that <laughs> yeah. too right so i don't know if you grab it but if you do then this becomes a part of your your cycle your pattern yeah. um you have other places i think about nice restaurants that don't have the little star mint but that have like you know a particular mint and, it, and isn't it weird like you go i know there's a restaurant in fort wayne indiana cork and cleaver it has yeah. those little um chocolate they're little round chocolate mints and the food there is amazing. But how crazy is it that then after you've had this amazing meal, you get like doubly excited because you get, you get these the mints. mints. <laughs> you talk about hotels that do turn down service and then they have these unique chocolates, right? right. Not just you're going to put like a Hershey's kiss because that wouldn't do it. You wouldn't right. anchor to that. So they have these unique chocolates and you anchored and then you begin to you like the place. Not necessarily because, oh, the bed was so comfy or the service was great, but because at night I get these chocolates, right? right? And so taste, what does your business taste like? My business tastes like uh, LaCroix, sparkling waters. So that's a good one. <laughs> um, regular water. And then we also have tea and coffee available. And so that's something that when, especially when a brand new client walks through the door, we always offer them something to drink. Because again, it, it controls that, oh my God, I'm so thirsty. I wish I had some water. But it also helps to make a first impression, especially if you have their favorite drink available for them to have. Right. So I think that's super important. And then if it is their favorite drink, then they get anchored to it. And later on, you know, they're around their LaCroix and they're like, oh my gosh, I, I got to get in. I got to see Lacey. So hopefully that is very helpful in creating an environment that will be successful from a marketing standpoint, but also from a sales standpoint. Hopefully you will understand it is not so much what you say. It is not what you say. 
It is all of the environment around that, which actually helps and works to control your client or prospect's first impression, which is very different than a first encounter. That's all we've got for you today. We'll be back again next week with another new episode of the None of Your Business podcast.